welcome to the Forge Leadership Podcast. This week our guests are Paul and Becky Harcourt from the New Wine Network. Simon Barrington asks them how they lead together, the biggest issues leaders face and need healing from, and what they're excited about in New Wine currently. So this week we're joined on the Forge Leadership Podcast by husband and wife team Paul and Becky Harcourt. Both Paul and Becky are on the New Wine Leadership Team, where Paul serves as the national leader. And both Paul and Becky are the church leaders at All Saints Woodford Wells, a thriving congregation in northeast London. Paul and Becky, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. <laughs> cool. Uh, Paul, can you just tell us a little bit about New Wine, uh, especially for people who maybe don't know uh, what it is or are not familiar with it? It'd be great if you could explain that for people. Yeah, sure. So New Wine is a family of leaders and churches that grew out of the ministry of St. Andrew's Chorley Wood. And um, over the years, it's given birth to things like uh, Soul Survivor and a worship movement with people like Matt Redmond, Tim Hughes. Essentially, New Wine is um, a network that believes in um, charismatic renewal in the local church. And we believe that local churches change nations. So we, we believe in equipping God's people for the work of ministry and then for them to be in their local churches, impacting their communities with the love of Jesus. Fantastic. Most people will maybe know it for the, the summer conferences, but uh, Becky, it's, it's more than that, is it? It is, yes. Uh, the hashtag this year for the New One United Conference in the summer was Other 50 Weeks. So really, we gathered together in the summer to um, have impact in our lives and churches and communities for the other 50 weeks of the year. Mm, and is that a big challenge in discipleship at the moment to see people actually living out their faith in the spheres to which God has called them? Yeah, I think it is. I think a lot of um, Christians over the last few years have probably found it really, really easy to come uh, in a more consumerist manner. You know, we, we're often, um, we wanted to live out our Christian life, but we, we're finding it increasingly difficult to know what that looks like in the workplace or in our local churches. And um, therefore, it's easy to come to church and have the attitude that we we come to receive. And maybe if people serve, they serve in the local church. But there's a big disconnect between that church part of their life and then the other days of the week and the other contexts in which they they live and work. So one of the things we are always trying to do is, is to equip God's people to extend the kingdom. It's not just about building the church, but extending the kingdom into every sphere of um, of human endeavor. Mm, that's great. I love that hashtag, the other 50 weeks. Um, <laughs> what else apart from that are you excited about in, in New Wine currently? Well, we've, we've um, really felt that in this season we wanted to restate the centrality of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which is a New Wine distinctive and from the beginning. And it's been really good to see that being being worked out. Um, we wanted as well the, the leadership of New Wine to be more representative in terms of age and gender and geography. We've been developing more work amongst the emerging generations and seeing the younger leaders come up. And it's just really exciting the way that people are catching that vision for local churches changing nations and for being part of something that's not just a conference, but is, is truly a movement. Mm, that's interesting you talk about diversity. Um, how have you tried to address that in both the conference and, and the leadership team, Becky? Well, I know that um, Paul's been really conscious as he was forming his own leadership team when he was asked to take over he wanted to um, 
That was his first thing to expand the team and make it more representative of the people who are part of the network. So consciously looking out, praying about um, people to bring in from the north, about who to bring in who can represent and speak for the younger generation, and looking to bring that balance of uh, male and female, that strength um, to the team. So just you have to be conscious about it and um, really pray for God's wisdom for the right people, not just to put people in because they are young, or female or whatever, but the people that God's pointing out who can um, be pioneers in that area for us. Because mm, otherwise it becomes just a token, doesn't it? Yes, and really don't want that for the person mm. or for the, the network. Yeah, now you're both on the leadership team of uh, New Wine. In, in what ways do you lead together and in what ways are your roles within that team distinct and separate? Well, I think it's um, it's very clear in that context that um, I'm the national leader and Becky is a member of the national leadership team. Now, we made sure that was that that was something that was right because of the gifting that she brings. But also, I think with something like this, um, being a couple in ministry, it's quite it was important to us that we were both fully involved in it so that our worlds didn't sort of drift apart. Um, so there, there are lots of opportunities and responsibilities that that I have that will lead to me going um, out and about or going to certain sorts of meetings. But Becky's fully involved and has her own ministry there as well. Um, so, for example, I mean, I'll, I'll be in the office for New Wine um, on a reasonably regular basis because I'm involved more in the, um, the logistics and the admin side of, of stuff, whereas Becky would come in primarily to the um, six times a year for the national leadership team, which is more the um, spiritual and prophetic strategic gathering where we're looking at some of the big picture issues. And then both of us will be out and about doing ministry in the um, family of New Wine Churches all the time. Mm. And do you minister together when you're traveling around or, or does it depend on the situation? It depends on the situation. So Paul and I do some things together. We've done quite a few things together in the last few months, teaching together. Uh, we've recently written a book together, um, but I can't do everything that Paul does. We have a demanding family life and that we have two children, one with extreme special needs and one with mild special needs. So that's a lot of juggling on the home front. So Paul has been doing a lot of traveling around talking about the book we wrote together, but he's doing it on his own. Um, however, I like to think I'm there in spirit because he's, <laughs> he's sharing my testimony and bits that I've written from. Um, so we don't do everything together, but when we can and there's the opportunity, we do. Yeah, so with the book, it's it's better if we can both go and speak. But with the logistics of um, our stage of family life, that isn't always possible. But you know, we like to do things like that together when we can. Tell us a bit more about the book, Becky, and uh, the role that you had in, in writing that. Well, Paul told me we're going to write a book. <laughs> and I kept shaking my head. No, I'm not sure about that. And he kept saying we're going to do it. Um, and we did it. So that's half and how things work. No, seriously. <laughs> um, we've been doing some teaching together over the years. And um, it just worked out. Paul had the sort of brainwave of how it all linked together. And so decided to sort of write down the wisdom that we've been collecting about living the supernatural life um, with, with God. And we, we based it on Peter getting out of the boat and walking on the water. So the book's called Walking on Water. And it's um, Paul's journey of um, issues of the mind, 
that can get in the way of stepping out of the boats and joining in with uh, when Jesus says, come. So what if Peter had um, insisted that he could understand how he could walk on water before he got out of the boats? <laughs> so Paul talks about those struggles that he's had of needing to understand, to be in control, to have a rational explanation, mm. and how he's had to let that go and not lean on his on his own understanding to step into the supernatural things of God. Mm. So those were his chapters. And then I wrote chapters, um, which were from talks that I'd done about issues of the heart. What if Peter instead had said, well, I've been hurt so much. I'm not sure if I can face being hurt again. I'm not sure if I can trust you, Jesus. If if I do this, I need to know I'm going to be safe. Um, so if he'd had that attitude, he would have never got out of the boat because Jesus promises to be with us. He doesn't always promise it's going to be safe or easy, but he does promise his presence. So I, had, I wrote about um, my story, issues of the heart um, for my own testimony, and so dealing with things like guilt and disappointments and feeling let down by God, but how actually God's always um, pursuing us to bring us healing and wholeness. And that as we turn to him, he heals us so that we can, we know we can trust him. Mm. So that's really what the book's about, our yeah, two stories. Those are two fascinating insights, aren't they, into moving into the supernatural? Because I think, um, I mean, I, I studied physics uh, at university, yeah. <laughs> um, but I also play the piano and, and, and clarinet as well. So I have a musical side and a creative side. And, and from that perspective, yeah. my logical side and my creative side have come together and therefore... I find it relatively straightforward to listen to God, but I know people who are very logical who have find that really hard. Yeah. yeah. And people who are very creative who yeah. find the heart issues heat with them as well. So that's a fascinating combination um, that you hmm. brought together. Um, as leaders who are married, how do you encourage one another and challenge one another? How does that how does that work in, in reality? What's the nitty-gritty of, of, of that working? Good question. <laughs> well, I think you, you'll have heard from the last answer that one of the strengths we, I think we've discovered is that we are very different. And so I think the, the thing that's helped us most is understanding each other's differences, that we, we are complementary in, in our gifting and in our personalities and to a certain extent in our backgrounds and experiences as well. And I think probably we've been learning how to make space for each other and how to value the contribution the other one brings. Mm. And um, there are times as well, though, where perhaps in the safety of those boxes, we, we've kind of stretched each other. So I, I might challenge Becky a little bit more to be confident in her speaking and um, stepping out and leading, um, which up until relatively recently was something that, that as a more introverted person, she was not not as willing to step out into and becky becky probably has helped me develop some of my strengths around listening and um i've under tried understanding <laughs> others <laughs> and uh, so the dynamic when we're both in meetings is really helpful yeah yeah no that, that that's fascinating are there any tools that you've used that have helped you discover one another's gifts and callings together well the typical things of personality tests and it was a real life bulb when we both did done when we both done Myers-Briggs and we realized we were opposites okay. in in the introvert extrovert and the big picture and detail and in the thinking and feeling mm. we were extreme opposites in each of those mm. so you just think oh okay that's why you do things so differently from me mm. and why we um find that a bit of attention mm. and that knowledge 
makes it easier to um, understand each other and then to work with each other. So that that's definitely been a tool. You, just learning how we work ourselves and then how the other one works uh, gives you understanding. Also spiritually, just praying and getting discernment about how we fit together and why would God have called us together? Um, how do we balance each other? And as Paul said, with complementary gifts and just trusting that God's done that for a reason. It can be easy for me because Paul's quite apostolic. He's an activist. He's outgoing, wanting to do things. He's got lots of ideas and, and vision. I'm really not like that. <laughs> I'm quiet. I observe things. I take it really slowly. Um, so it could be easy for me to just say, well, he can do it without me, which I did for many years because he can just get the job done. But what I learned um, by praying about it and listening to God as he was calling me out more and more was that, yeah, he can do it on his own, but he'll go a lot further with me alongside him because my wisdom, sorry, that sounds arrogant, but <laughs> having, um, <laughs> having that sort of quieter, reflective nature does give you a different insight into things. And so I can bring that and that helps him. He'll go further if I do it with him. So that's just from listening to God being obedient, really. And he also has to be humble enough to then come and listen to me when I say, actually, I think you've missed that or you aren't reading that situation right. And we have to be humble and um, I have to let him do his thing and he has to listen to me. Yeah, so that's I think, kind of it. <laughs> I think one of the key things in thinking is actually that we've, we've been able to do uh, more and more of that as we've done it together. So it's not sort of observing each other's ministries. It's actually it's actually doing it alongside each other that's been really helpful, and because we're learning in the moment all the time how to make strength through each other's gifts and strengths. Um, and as Becky said, actually, you no, know, she she wasn't wrong in using the word wisdom. It's just a um, a byproduct of her her time with God and her character that she thinks and reflects deeply. So. Um, I move very fast and I think very quickly and I can often jump into solutions. But Becky's very good at reading the people side of things um, and maybe thinking through things in a more reflective manner. So we, we're a very good team. That's fantastic. <laughs> I know I know from my, my own experience that actually um, I, I was resonating there, Becky, with you and how what yeah. you were saying about, you know, encouraging Paul because he'll go further, you know, because uh, even though you can see he's extremely gifted, that actually he still needs that affirmation and support and the encouragement. And I've experienced that myself as well in, in my own marriage. And so I really resonate with that. What, what mistakes have you both made along the way this is a more tricky question okay so um, in, in your in your journey together what what would you wish you'd learned earlier or maybe what do you wish they taught you at bible college um in terms of learning to to journey together on that leadership journey well we got married not knowing each other very well really because we we met while i was at theological college we commuted for a couple of years with becky in america and, and me being here um, we got married eight weeks, I think, before mm -hmm. I was ordained. Wow. So uh, our our time together uh, and our you know our married life has basically been in ministry. So we've been learning as mm -hmm. we go, and um, I, I think probably in the early days we we didn't understand ourselves um, and we didn't understand each other. So there've been times perhaps where we've not communicated as well as we needed mm -hmm. to, and in the busyness of ministry now, that's always a danger that we're going so fast that we um, 
forget to tell each other things um, or, or we simply don't sit down and have time to process things together and talk it out. Hmm. So communication is one of the keys. I mean, another thing I, I would say, I think, is that just allowing each other to have our own spiritual journey. Okay. Um, in the in the early days, I, you know, because I could see you know, incredible gifts in Becky, I think quite often I would be encouraging Becky to step hmm. forward. But at that point, I think probably you you would probably have received it more as um, hmm. I'm forcing you into a box you weren't ready for. <laughs> um, and sometimes actually, it's been really helpful to have third parties. Okay. So a lot of the steps we've made have been the encouragement of friends and other people we're working with who've yeah. said, you know, um, Becky, you can do this, or um, you know, they've called us both into into slightly different roles. So it's not only our own relationship, it's being open to the voices uh, of those around us who, who care for us and see things in us. Yeah, and probably for me, um, as I said, it was a took a while for me to obey God when he was asking me to step out and to do more because, again, I would question, well, I don't fit the mold of lots of leaders I see, not just Paul, but lots of leaders who are activists, who are out there doing, who are move really quickly. I don't fit that mold, so therefore I must not be a leader. So God had to really challenge me on that, and I had to do a lot of dealing with myself on that to say, well, I just do it differently, and I'm not going to do it the same way, and it won't have the same shape, but together we can do something. So partly it took me a long time to get to that point of um, being willing to step in. Also, I met Paul when he was training for ministry, so I kind of felt that I describe it as jumping on a train that's already moving in a certain direction. I didn't get to choose the direction of the train. I just jumped on it. And so it, again, took me a while to accept that I was called as well as Paul. It wasn't just um, his ministry and I just happened to be married to him, but God had called us together. So I suppose I'm saying the mistake there was that I was slow in recognizing God's call on me and I um, perhaps devalued what I could offer instead of valuing it and seeing the... um, the, the good in it yeah i think probably my my part in that was um you know i, I could see things Becky could step into but it, it's not enough for me to tell her uh, in fact it's really counterproductive because often if i say that um you know you could preach then it, it might sound as though i'm putting an expectation yeah. on her and you've got to be careful to make sure that i'm saying um not i think you can preach and i i need you to do that to fulfill what i think you should be but much more, I think there's a gift of God in you that you you can in his time and in your way um, express. And so I think where we're at now, um, just in the last five years, we've made real progress in in genuine partnership and I think flourishing in, in, our, in our separate gifts as well. It's great to hear you talk about um, the importance of reflection, Becky, for a, a leader and uh, fascinating to hear, you know, that there is that stereotype that we have of leaders being superheroes, isn't it? And being activists and, and, and being challengers and visionaries and strategists. And yet what I found often is that it's the reflection on action and the planning based on reflection and listening to the Holy Spirit that's often lacking in a in a team so great that you've been able to bring that together as both of you that's really powerful really really powerful <laughs> yeah well you you definitely need both because if you just sit reflecting all the time nothing gets done so you do that's in god's wisdom why he has the fivefold gifts and things but 
you need both definitely sure so um one of the strengths of new wine seems to be that uh, encouraging its leaders to stay rooted in local church ministry as well why do you both see that as important and how do you think the new wine movement benefits from that because it's unusual i would say to have a a national leader paul um also leading a a a local church movement as well and one as significant as all saints woodford wells yeah i mean i think um the history of new wine as it's it's always been rooted in the local church it it came from the ministry of st andrew's chorley wood and the leadership of new wine have always been practitioners so it's it's important i think because we're a network of leaders Mm. That the, the um, that when those of us who are leading at a national level go and speak to leaders of local churches, that we're not bringing something abstract or theoretical, disconnected from the normal experience of leading churches. And we found that there were seasons when um, that was being not expressed quite so fully. And so we we said, okay, well we need to um, step back into that. John Coles was national leader at the time was working full-time for New Wine and no longer leading a church. And so he he started the church plant so that he was engaged in the coalface of ministry. And I think that's that's really important because so often in Renewal, what we're bringing is the story of what God is doing. And we never want to be disconnected from that. Becky, any reflections on that as well? Yes. Just again, I know that when Paul was looking at leading and was being asked, it was a real priority for both of us that we stay rooted in all saints. Um, Again, for the same reason that if you aren't doing the local day-to-day stuff, you quickly lose touch with what it's like and you, you forget the joys and the difficulties, the challenges and the blessings. So it's important to stay there, to stay part of that team so you can bring that experience and wisdom to others you know we can say to other church leaders we know what it's like we're we're doing it ourselves day to day so that's why it's been a real priority i think one of the things as well is that when you are working in um you know a way where you're dividing yourself between different roles it, it forces me as national leader to make sure that as national leader of new wine that's a team as well uh you know i'm not giving myself full time to a ministry that could easily be full time and therefore, I have to leave not as a sort of you know, soul hero kind of figure, but I have to lead with others alongside me. And I think that New Wine benefits from the drawing in of uh, multiple people uh, working together as a team, playing off gifts and strengths again. It's, a, it's about not recognizing that um, wisdom is in the tribe, not in the individual. Yeah, it's community, relationship. Yeah, building together. And, and and you mentioned earlier about raising up emerging leaders in that context as well and, and building team with emerging leaders coming through. How, how does that work in New Wine? And, and is there an emphasis on raising up married couples like yourselves or individuals? And how does that all work? Well, in terms of raising leaders up, that's a large part of what we're about. Um, so we have, um, I think it's 65 networks of Uh, church leaders up and down the country that meet on a regular basis and in each of those networks we ask the local network leader both to provide an opportunity for people to come together who perhaps are just exploring what it is to be taking the journey of renewal and in some way to provide a context to go a bit deeper as well people who want to um, work this out in practice in their local church and that can take lots of different um, forms it could be one-to-one mentoring Often it's small group mentoring or um, leadership 
communities, learning communities coming together. Uh, we're always um, doing teaching training days and conferences and ministry specific uh, conferences to certain areas of ministry that people might be interested in. I'm not sure that we've done anything specifically on raising up married couples in leadership, but um, that's a conversation. And increasingly, we see couples leading together and feeling a sense of call together. And a lot of the denominational churches don't actually know how to yeah. recognize that. Um, particularly, we're, we're both in the Church of England, um, but you know, a lot of Anglican churches, they don't know really how to appoint two people as vicar. In fact, they can't. They can't do that. So um, it usually what what it means usually is that one person one person maybe has the uh, the official commissioned role as far as the denomination is concerned. So we're having conversations with people all the time about how that works for us, without trying to say to other people this is the model you have to follow. Yeah, no, and it's it's not about just raising up people who are married because we want to raise up everybody, yeah. whether they're single or married. Um, but for us, what we can model is marriage and leadership or leadership in marriage. Um, so that is something we can model, but we don't ever want to just um, limit it to that in who we raise up. But we do, I do find myself encouraging often actually the main leader who's saying, oh, I really wish my wife and my husband would lead alongside me. How do you guys do it? Um, to just sort of tell our story and encourage and say, maybe they feel they can't do it because they'll do it differently from you and, you know, to the things we've talked about to make that space for them. So that's something we can speak into. And we, we love to see people um, acknowledge and recognize where they're being called together. But we definitely don't want to limit it to that. Yeah, we know quite a lot of couples as well where, where the call of one of the partners is outside of the church's yeah. gathered ministry. I mean, we know people who where one will be called into business or politics or uh, you know, some different sphere. But then the, the the call is still that together they're advancing the kingdom, even if the context is different. And what advice would you have for married couples who are maybe seeking to be in church leadership together if they are seeking to kind of follow the path that, that you have both uh, done together and they're starting out on that journey? What would you wish you'd known <laughs> back on those <laughs> early days and, and what wisdom well, can you pass on? <laughs> Well, what we're still learning because we're we're fairly new at doing this so much together. Um, we've always been in it together, but since I've been coming to staff meetings and being a lot more visibly involved, is um then how to have time where you don't talk yeah. about it. So it's having that break from um, oh let's just watch a film now instead of talking about yeah. church because we could do that constantly, yeah. but we also have to have wisdom in in just having yeah. time to be family together and to not think about that. So that's something actually we're still learning because we're in a new season of life where Paul's just been into this new role for a year. So things have increased dramatically in speed in busyness. So we're finding that new rhythm. But that's something you definitely have to do is not let it your marriage become all about your ministry. Yeah. Um, the marriage comes first and then the ministry is something you do out of that. In terms of outside the house as well, I think it's, I think it's really helpful if, as a couple, you try to explain to others how you feel called to lead. So perhaps the denomination may not recognize the sort of co-leadership that we feel called to model, but it's still good to try and articulate it. And um, one of the important things for us as a church is, is in, in our local church context here, we've 
we've been really clear to um, be talking to the church about how we feel God is calling us to lead as a couple. And of course, the, the church usually will recognize that, particularly when you've been there for a while and they've got to know you. Um, I think when when we started articulating to our church here at All Saints much more clearly that um, we were going to lead alongside each other, um, most people in the church, well, nobody had any problems with it. And most people said, well, about time to and all. <laughs> you know, we, we've sort of seen we've seen you like that. And they, they'd obviously recognized the contribution that Becky was making perhaps informally, and it was really healthy for them to to recognize it and honor it spiritually. Yeah. I, would, I would say that it comes from the Lord, doesn't it? Yeah. It is. I mean, whatever the denomination says, that, yeah. that um, it, it's how we feel called by God, and that gets recognized by the local church, whether the denomination has a, a box to put it down mm. or not. Mm. Mm. Now, Becky, you're involved in leading in, in prayer and healing ministry in particular. Um, what do you see as the, the biggest issues that leaders need healing for? What are you seeing that you know, people are wounded from along, along the journey? <laughs> what a large question. <laughs> Probably the biggest mm. temptation for everyone um, is to need affirmation. So whether you're an activist or an introvert and a contemplative, whatever it is, we all long to be connected to something and to feel good about ourselves. So we just, I think every leader has to be careful to get their affirmation from God. And so we need to be healed in those areas where we're looking for affirmation from people. So anywhere in your background where you felt rejected or overlooked or you were labeled in some way. Um, we have to deal with those things so that we don't let them control us because we will then be looking for, for affirmation. We'll be looking to get that, um, those positive feelings about ourselves um, from someone else. So we have to learn to see God as our provider, our healer, our source of everything really so that we don't look for it. Um, from people because then you become a yeah. people pleaser and that's impossible um, God we can please now if you're very broken you'll find that hard because you'll have a distorted image of God and you'll think he's a harsh taskmaster or you'll think there's he's just um, <laughs> is Father Christmas and he'll give you whatever you want or you know we'll have distorted images that then um, aren't real and then we're not um, relating to God as we should and we won't be getting what we need from him. So really, it's security in God is the biggest thing that um, every leader needs so that they can then have confidence to do the things he's calling them to without worrying about um, what people are going to think. Well, that's huge. <laughs> but that was a brilliant, concise answer to a massive question. And certainly I would resonate. I would resonate with the fact that the work that I do with leaders is so much focused on dealing with issues of rejection and abandonment and how that's impacting their leadership now and their desire for affirmation. And I've yeah. had to wrestle with those issues as well. So thank you for just putting the spotlight on that for people and uh, it is a massive issue but actually if we can find our identity in christ and really lead out of who we are in christ then that makes a a massive difference paul and becky thank you so much for sharing uh part of your journey with us today thank you for being so honest <laughs> and real about the mistakes you've made and for the advice you've given as well and we pray blessing on both of you as you lead all saints woodford wells and and you right paul and becky harcourt thanks so much for joining us today Thank you, Simon. Pleasure. 
Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast at forge-leadership.com to make sure we don't miss an episode. That's forge-leadership.com or search for Forge Leadership Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud or TuneIn.